My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Episode 293 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks, offering you a free 30-day unrestricted trial. You can take it for a test drive with no obligation right now just by going to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. problem was I didn't necessarily trust people because I just got burnt by an employee that left. And at the same time, I didn't think anybody could do it as good as me. And uh, my own pride and arrogance kind of got in the way. Hi there, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Hi there, I'm Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then you need to read consistently and intentionally. The point of this podcast is to help you dig into more books in less time. We do that with 30 to 45 minute conversations with the authors of the book we're diving into. So you can get the key insights and main ideas straight from the horse's mouth, as the saying goes. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by author Grant Botma. He's written a book out today called The Problem Isn't Their Paycheck, How to Attract Top Talent and Build a Thriving Company Culture. I plan to ask Grant to share about what happens when compensation is your company's primary motivator, the three main motivators every business should leverage, the ingredients needed to create a unified purpose, and much, much more. First, though, before we get into that, I want to encourage you to check out today's sponsor. You can do so free. Get access to all of FreshBooks cloud accounting software features. Unrestricted access. Take it for a test drive. See if you like it. No obligation whatsoever. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know that I've used FreshBooks in my business for over 10 years now, and I highly recommend this cloud accounting software to you and your business. It's always done what I've needed it to do from the time my business was just a couple of clients to the business it is today. And I think you'll find that FreshBooks fits your accounting needs regardless of how big or small your business is. To access their free trial, you just need to go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and be sure and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section of the website. The address one more time to check it out free, no obligation, 30 days, full trial, freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Grant Botma is the founder of Stewardship and was named a top entrepreneur before he reached the age of 35. His team consists of nationally ranked producers who've won numerous awards, including top 1% and top 20% of the nation, elite producer, and more. Stewardship has been recognized as Broker of the Year in Arizona and is among Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies in America. Not only are Grant's employees among the most productive in their field, but Every single one of them loves their job, really. We'll talk about that today. Grant is here to show you how to bring this kind of culture to your organization, whether you're the one running it or you're looking for an organization like that to join. His book, which is out today officially, is called The Problem Isn't Their Paycheck, How to Attract Top Talent and Build a Thriving Company Culture. Grant, I'm excited to have you here. Love the book. Thanks for joining us for this conversation on Read to Lead. 
Yeah, I am honored to be here and excited about talking about the book and the book launch today. But uh, more importantly, having a conversation with you. I've enjoyed kind of our conversation prior to hitting this record button. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. Tell me a bit about uh, your podcast. Um, What's that all about? And how long have you been doing that? Yeah, so um, I have a podcast uh, called The Culture Course Show. And uh, the goal of it is just to give a very quick, simple call to action for managers or leaders to apply to their management and leadership throughout that particular week. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always less than 10 minutes and it's a very, very quick win. There's maybe a slight paradigm shift in the mindset that I teach, but most importantly, always one quick call to action for them to apply to grow in their leadership and management skills. Yeah, we're going to get in later to this idea of, of having a unified purpose for your organization. What separates what you do at Stewardship from all those other brokerage firms? Yeah. So the unified purpose at Stewardship is to love people through finances. Uh, so even having that word love <laughs> in you know our uh, company purpose, especially in personal finances and in the finance sector, is extremely unique and very different, right? Mm. So I'd say uh, all the things that make us different than the other uh, entities out there in personal finance world, they stem from our unified purpose, which is to love people through finances. Yeah, I think you, when you uh, began the company, part of it was out of this desire to counteract, maybe is the word, all these others out there who were more concerned with commissions and vacations and that being the driving factor for why they did what they did. And, and you were really more about putting the customer first. And it was about how many people can we impact and less about commissions, et cetera. Is that an accurate way to kind of summarize it? Yeah. When I, when I got into the mortgage world, it was during the quote unquote heyday that they would say when there were all kinds of crazy types of loans that are out there mm. and um, even the the subprime ones and different things. You know, it was weird to me that there were these representatives from banks that were pleading and begging these employees of this lending institution that I work for to put customers in these loans, knowing full well that they weren't the best for the customer. Mm. But people were doing it because they paid a few extra hundred bucks commission or gave them a credit towards winning a trip to Puerto Rico or something like that. Mm. And uh, the really sad part was you would see these customers come back a couple of years later needing to refinance or restructure their, their finances because they were either getting a divorce or things were happening poorly with their family or different things. And mm. it was just obvious to me that money is a big deal and it impacts relationships. And we need to be uh, putting the customer's needs first, especially as it pertains to money, rather than thinking about our own pocketbook and our commission. Uh, it's just not a wise thing to do and it's not sustainable. It's not right. I just thought it was plain wrong. Mm. Well, Grant, like me, is a guy who has read his share of books. And as I read his, I discovered that he's read a lot of management books all about how to supervise people. But Grant, there was this conversation at one point that you had with your uncle that was sort of a turning point for you in regard to the kind of books you were reading and also just how to rethink this whole supervising people into more like, why do we do the things we do? How are we motivated? Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was in a process of basically sleeping at the office. I, I was working a lot and one of my employees had recently left. He, he actually went to go be a missionary in Thailand. Mm. Um, and it was a really great thing for, for him. And, and, and I was excited for him and his family and just the endeavor that he was about to, to take on. 
but it left me in a, in a bind in a poor situation. And I was struggling to try and really have enough bandwidth to manage all the business that was coming in. I mean, we, we had a great business. We had a great product and service and we were growing, which was nice. But the problem was I, I didn't necessarily trust people and to hire all of them because I just got burnt by an employee that left. Right. Amen. And at the same time, I didn't think anybody could do it as good as me. <laughs> and uh, Amen. My, own pride, <laughs> my, my own pride and arrogance kind of got in the way. And um, I was, my uncle is, was good enough to just kind of be one of my mentors. And he's always allowed me to ask him tough questions and talk with him. And he's asked me tough questions and, you know, he kind of got in my face about it and said, Grant, if your goal is to genuinely make as big of an impact as possible, how are you going to do that on your own? You need to be able to have versions of you, not the exact same thing of you, but many versions of you in order to make the biggest impact possible. And it kind of uh, was a slap in the face and really woke me up to understand like, man, I've got to, I got to change some things. Mm. Back uh, when I worked a regular job, I worked for uh, an excellent boss. And there was one day, I thought he was trying to pull the wool over our eyes. He, he came to us with some Dan Pink studies or some studies that Dan Pink had written about, I think in the book called Drive, if I'm not mistaken, which I know you, you cite some of Dan's work in your book. He's literally one of my favorites. I love one, one is, Yeah, one of your favorites. And, and so this, this data was centered around money as a motivator. And and, and what my boss was then trying to get across to the leadership team was the idea that this is not what motivates you. What motivates you are these things over here. And at the time, uh, in my narrow-mindedness and, and thinking, it was just, oh, this is just, you know, we work for a nonprofit. You know, things are tight, maybe. Mm-hmm. This is just a ploy to, uh, to convince us that, you know, when we don't get raises, we'll be fine. <laughs> but what happens when owners and managers, Grant, use money as a primary motivator? What's the problem with doing that? Uh, from a high level view, it creates an unsustainable company culture. There are many, there are vast specific problems that we can dive into. Starting out, and I'll just put my financial advisor's hat on, it's, it's not wise to motivate people with money because what happens then when you start hiring people and you try to hire the best people, you find yourself comparing your comp schedule to your competitor's comp schedule rather than creating a comp schedule that's based around your budget, your business's expenses, your business's income. And the next thing you you know, within your business, your greatest expense, which is the compensation to your employees, is not based on your budget and can cause a problem. Mm. Then you get into, okay, well, what happens when you bring on some people and you use money as a motivator? If there's another entity out there that's going to compensate them more, they're going to leave. And then you're going to have a problem with retention. But really, what our society has found through vast studies, and the big one that I kind of talk about in the book over and over again, is the one that Deloitte did, where they found that basically nine in every 10 employees is not giving their best at work. And when you motivate with money, it's hard to come in every day and give your best because that, that's not what motivates our lives. That's not what really wakes us up every day for a long period of time. You, you can motivate with money for a short period of time and, and maybe grind through a few things and it might work for a little while, but for an extended period of time for the long term, it doesn't work. And this is probably the worst part about motivating with money. Even if it does work, what you then create is an unbelievably selfish culture full of selfish employees. And if you've ever managed or tried to lead anyone, if you've tried to parent, <laughs> you, you know <laughs> that uh, when there's selfishness involved, it's tough. 
Mm. Well, I want to talk about the three motivators that you do recommend. Before we dig into them a little more deeply, what are the three main motivators that businesses should leverage Grant in, in, in instead? Yeah, the three other motivating factors that are more important than money are freedom or autonomy. People desire basically their own free will to act on, mm -hmm. right? And they want more freedom and bandwidth in their life on many levels. Uh, the next one is affirmation. People want to be a master of their craft. They want to be good at something and they want to know if they're doing it right. Uh, this is one of the reasons why reviews on Amazon are the most clicked thing. It doesn't matter if you're <laughs> buying a thousand upon thousand dollar computer and you want to make sure this is right for you. Or if you're buying a toothbrush, <laughs> you, you click on the reviews <laughs> to read from others like you're looking for affirmation. Is this the right thing for me? But then lastly, the, the most motivating thing to us as humans is, is purpose. Uh, and I believe more importantly than just purpose, it needs to be a unified purpose, a purpose mm. that unifies you with a team of people. I hear the workers getting busy outside your office right now that you warned me about a moment ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this was the craziest thing. I literally show up to my office and there's this gigantic cherry picker and they're redoing the awnings today of all days during this interview. Well, that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll power through. Well, before I lose somebody listening right now, Grant, who is going, well, you know what? I don't own a business. Is this book for me? Is this conversation one I need to pay attention to? They're not a business owner. You would say probably not so fast. How might this knowledge, Grant, that we're about to dive into apply to them? Yeah, I think this is extremely important for people who are not business owners or managers because it helps you articulate mm. what you're going to want out of your future employer. We know statistically that people are leaving their jobs every five years. And sometimes depending on your age group, you know, demographic, they're saying less than every four years. And that stinks. Nobody likes doing that. And so if you want to find a place where you get to do work that matters, where you can feel fulfilled, but then also make it sure that your job isn't something that steals from your life, but really enhances your life. You want to understand this motivational hierarchy so you can articulate that and talk about that with future potential employers. Well, freedom or autonomy, as Grant mentioned a moment ago, is the first uh, motivator. Grant, what are some of the ways employees often feel trapped in, in today's work environment and uh, how can business owners turn that around? I think it starts with some of the boundaries or you know guardrails that were normally seen as as good, right? Very mm -hmm. regimented and scheduled lunches and breaks, and maybe depending on the type of work environment, they still might be a requirement, right? Mm -hmm. But those things can make you feel trapped. Uh, things like uh, not using the company uh, technology or computer for personal use, or no taking you know cell phone text messages or calls you know while you're on the clock or whatever else. There, there, those are some of the ways. But some of the other ways too, from a bigger picture, are limited amounts of time off or the ability to speak into uh, management with some of their own ideas and their own thoughts and feelings about how to push the company forward. Uh, so the lack of freedom creating that entrapment is really all over the place in most companies. Affirmation, uh, the second motivator equals, uh, Grant says, confidence. So what are some of the biggest poisons to a company culture, Grant, that can eat away at, at, at that confidence if you're not careful? So I'd say one of the biggest poisons is the typical 
performance review. Oh, I hate them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who likes those things? You know, you, you go in with your guard up. Uh, we're taught as managers to kind of create these goals that are just outside the quote unquote reach of the employee. And uh, that's supposed to get them to produce more, right? Mm. By, by giving them a goal that reaches higher. But eventually they'll get to a point where they're, they're maxing out. And instead of praising them for doing really well and maxing out, we're still creating goals for them that are outside of their reach and telling them that they're failing every quarter. I think that the way that we're creating goals is one thing, but more importantly, the lack of intentionality by a manager or leader in affirming is also killing confidence. Just an example, Jeff, I mean, to be honest with you, I've, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of these podcast interviews. I, I have a podcast myself, as we mentioned earlier in the show. You're gifted at this. You have a really great way mm. of not only organizing a conversation, but you're asking questions in a way that's super easy to listen to. I'm, <laughs> I'm having fun. I'm enjoying this. But my guess is the people closest to you, are, are you married, Jeff? I am, yeah. My guess is that your wife has no idea how good you are at this. But how big of a deal would it be if someone from your show came up to your wife and said, hey, you know, I was on Jeff's show and I just want to let you know, he's awesome at his job. He's really, really good at this. And I really enjoyed being a guest on his show and just talked positively about you and affirmed you in front of her. Mm. How would that make you feel? Uh, make me feel pretty darn good. In fact, when I was reading this section of the book, uh, it reminded me of a moment with that boss I mentioned previously. I brought my parents into the office and he did exactly what you just described in front of my parents or to my parents in front of me, I should say. And and, and it probably energized you and motivated you. Totally. Like crazy. We we not only want to be good at something and be a master of a craft, but we want others to know about that. <laughs> we want others to know the the positive impact that we're making, the sacrifices that we're making and 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 the difference that it, the positive difference that it makes in the world. And your boss, what he did well is he probably had some sort of trigger in his mind. He was very intentional about saying, Man, if I see Jeff's parents, I gotta make sure <laughs> I'm going to say something positive here. And I think that's where when it comes to affirmation, we, we miss the boat there. But, you know, it's not just, you know, unicorns and gumdrops and rainbows. You know, it's not like <laughs> this is a millennial thing that you've, everybody gets a trophy. Affirmations that requires negative affirmations and corrections as well. People want to know how they're doing and they want to know if they're doing it right, <laughs> right away. Why wait for that 90-day performance review mm. to say, hey, you, you've been doing this wrong. Well, why didn't you tell me 89 days ago when I started doing it wrong? <laughs> you know, So it, it, it comes with negative affirmations on a daily basis as well. And that was really kind of new to me. I mean, when I think, I think a lot of us, when we think of the word affirmation, we think positive things. I don't often think you know, negative. So that, that, that was a, a little bit of an eye-opener for me as I, as I read through that. And, and if you want to uh, dig deeper into all the ways to use affirmation in Grant's book, be sure to pick it up. There are nine, if, if memory serves, total. Uh, so be sure and check that out. Uh, the third motivator is, is purpose, and purpose, of course, creates impact. Grant, talk a bit about the difference, though, between purpose and passion, because I think a lot of people often get these confused a little bit. Yes. Yeah. I am, at least at one point, I was very, very passionate about my lawn. <laughs> I love growing it and making it beautifully green. And I want it to look like the outfield of Wrigley Field, you know? Yeah. 
and I really enjoyed it. But there came a time as my life changed, as I changed, where I was mowing my lawn. And I'm just like, man, I don't really want to do this anymore. <laughs> and my passion changed. And that's true of most passions for people. Their passions change, right? Mm. Uh, you may really enjoy a certain kind of music or artist for a while, uh, but that might change or circumstances might change so that you're unable to enjoy that music the same way, right? And although passions are great, it's very different than, than a purpose. Purpose can unify people. Purpose is something that genuinely makes a positive impact on others. And many times purpose can create additional passions within your life. I don't think it would be wise for me to go out and find a job about cutting grass and being a landscaper, even though I was passionate about that for a time. That doesn't mean that it's going to make the most impact for me or that's the job I should have, right? Mm. And I think that there's people oftentimes are saying, oh, I just got to go find the thing that I really like, you know, so if they do like music or they do like art or something like that, they go into college using that as their major. And that's not always the wisest thing. You can have a huge impact doing basically anything under the right leadership uh, and right management. Now, let's get to this thing that we that we hinted at earlier, and, and you shared your, I guess it would be called, purpose statement with us. So what do we need to do to create a then unified purpose? So what are the, what are the first steps toward that process? So I, I want to first be clear that this isn't necessarily a mission statement where you get together with all of the C-suite people in your business and you go to a cabin and drink brandy and smoke <laughs> cigars and have this, you know, grandiose statements with $30 words uh, that nobody really remembers or can repeat when they get back down from the trip. This is more of something that has to be quick. It has to be repeatable and it has to be you as the leader. So for me in my own personal life, I believe that I'm here to love people. Uh, that's why I believe I'm created. That's what my life is about. That's what my wife and I do within our marriage is how we parent everything else. So for me to love people through finances in my finance company was just natural for me. Mm. And I think beyond it being something that, you know, it has to be you, it has to be short, but it has to have sacrifice. In order for me to love people well, that means I've got to put other people's needs first. Instead of closing for them a mortgage transaction or an investment or a mutual fund that's going to pay me the most commission, I genuinely have to be a fiduciary mm. and look at their needs. And my team has to look at their needs and really say, yes, this, this is what's best for you and do that. And that is loving, right? Mm. But the cool thing is that sacrifice, Jeff, it unifies a team of people. That sacrifice, when you come into the office, not only do you know that you're going to do something that matters, and that's important because loving people through finances is important, but you're going to sacrifice today in the office with a team of everybody else. And that motivates you and creates a sense of community that permeates throughout the culture. So the, the the unified purpose itself must require some sort of sacrifice. And then lastly put, I think it's wise to always have an emotionally charged word. Uh, again, love, that's very, very different, <laughs> right? I think it's important to say something that, that creates some sort of emotion or at least makes people really think or pause um, as they evaluate that unified purpose statement. Well, I've got a couple of questions for you, Grant, not directly related uh, to the book. Before I get into those, though, I wanted to see if there's anything else from the book uh, that you want to make sure we know about. I know in the conclusion, you you kick it off with this sort of mentality that we kind of have gotten into these days with entrepreneurship and business to sort of grind, 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 work, work, work mentality. Any thoughts uh, to that end or anything else from the book that we didn't cover? Yeah. You know, I would say one of the big pushbacks that 
I often get, whether it's from stage or people that, you know, talk to me about this. They're like, well, Grant, you don't understand. I've, I've had some success in motivating people with money. And me, myself, I've, I've been motivated well with money. And I would say that in a healthy individual, really, it's still not money that's motivating that purpose. You're wanting that money because you want, say, more freedom. Mm. Right, you want the ability to go on more vacations, or you want the ability to to gain assets to have flexibility in other areas of your life, right? Or or you want that money because you want the affirmation. Hmm. You want to be able to maybe purchase a nice car, or have a tax return that has this number on it that makes you excited. Or you want that money because of a purpose. You want to donate to a philanthropic hmm. endeavor, or or you want to provide for your family. In healthy individuals, that money motivation leads to those other three things. And I think as we as managers, as we recognize that, and if we're leading people, if we can cut straight to those three things and weave them into every area of our, of our business. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Grant is someone who is well-read. Grant, what would you say are the uh, two or maybe three titles that stick out to you among the books you've read as having had a big impact on you? And share, if you can, uh, maybe how or why they impacted you as they did. Yeah, I really enjoyed the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And I think emotional intelligence is extremely wise to investigate. It creates, obviously, self-awareness and awareness of others, which allows you to make a bigger impact any relational endeavor. And I liked it because it not only helped me in business, but it helped me in all my relationships, um, even with my parenting. And it, it cued me into some things that I really want to make sure that I'm doing as my wife and I are parenting our children. Another book that I, I like from a business perspective is Building a Story Brand. Hmm. I really enjoyed that book because it has a lot of really easy, actionable items that I was able to apply to my business and with my team. So that was a lot of fun too. Grant, do you do a fair amount of public speaking these days? I do, yeah. I'd be curious to know, if you're willing, what are your, say, one or two tips to those new at that craft or wanting to get better at that craft for delivering a talk that's memorable and, and going to leave an impact? Yeah, um, I learned a lot of what I do with public speaking from Nancy Duarte. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she's one of the best teachers as it pertains to speaking. If you haven't yet, subscribe to her blog and read some of her articles. They're really, really great. Yeah, one of the things that that I appreciate that she talks about is many times people will go on stage and they'll introduce themselves. When really, as soon as you get on stage, there really isn't a whole lot of other moments that you have their attention more than just then. Mm. Uh, So it's very important to start off with either something emotional that's going to really draw them in, or more importantly, start off with a problem that that audience has so that they're going to listen up Mm. and they're going to their brain's going to tell them, hey, I've got to use some calories for this talk <laughs> because he's going to help me solve a problem right now. Uh, I, I'd say skip the, you know, hi, I'm Grant and I'm married to Jody and I have three kids and I live in Gilbert, Arizona. Like you, the listeners literally stopped listening to me <laughs> as I was probably talking right now. But, you know, if you get on and you say something like, well, I was managing a team of employees when all of a sudden one of them left and I found myself in trouble, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's a story loop that was opened and now people are drawn in. Yeah, I have found that to be so true. I've not had a chance to actually demonstrate it uh, too often, but the first time that I ever got up on stage and led with a story, I, I, I've always felt that was a little awkward prior to this. I, I felt like I needed to like acknowledge the crowd or say, hey, thanks for having me and all that junk like you were talking about. And, and I finally forced myself to just start right into a story. 
And once mm. I did that the first time, it was like, oh, wow, why was that so hard? And it had such a huge impact on the effectiveness of that talk. It was, it was very dramatic. Yeah. And the cool thing is, we as conversationalists work easier or it's easier for us to continue a conversation that has a story that we feel like we're a part of or that we're telling. Mm. So when you start off that way, it's going to calm your own nerves and allow you to not feel like you have to memorize things as you're communicating, but just continue telling the story, which you know already in your head, right? Absolutely. Well, I'm throw a little bit of a curveball here at you. I, I, I think in some sense, uh, the book is just out and you're, of course, uh, I'm sure doing more interviews like this and promoting it. Any idea what's around the corner, what's next for you and your team that you're excited about or are in a position to, to share with the rest of us? Yeah, our goal is to try to make as big of an impact as possible on our community with finances. And right now we're doing home loans, uh, insurance, uh, investment advice, financial planning. But we, uh, we plan to shake some things up. Uh, we are going to change the way that most people engage with their investment advisor and their financial planner. You either have to have a lot of money that to give them to invest and you're just hoping that you get good returns or you're in the other end of the spectrum where it's like, man, how do I get out of debt? Give me a plan to, to get out of this. Mm. We're creating some different things and different engagements that are more than just investment advice, but ways to engage with the wise advisor who's going to help you understand the right workplace benefits to choose and how to make sure that uh, you're paying taxes properly on your paycheck and with your assets, how to make sure that you can live generously and live confidently. Mm. The bottom line is we know that people want to focus on the things that they want to focus on, which is their family and their career. And we're going to try to take care of all the other financial things for them so that they can enjoy their life with confidence. And uh, we're excited about changing the way that people engage with financial advisors in the future. Hmm. Well, the book, again, is called The Problem Isn't Their Paycheck, How to Attract Top Talent and Build a Thriving Company Culture. His name is Grant Botma, B-O-T-M-A. Uh, at the end of it all, uh, the awning hangers weren't all that bad, Grant. No, and guess what? <laughs> Our interview's done, and I think they're done. <laughs> of course they are. That was perfect <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a treat to have you on, and I really enjoyed the book and highly recommend it. Jeff, I, I meant what I said uh, in the middle of this podcast. I had fun, and you're good at this. And I'm grateful that you allowed me to come on, share with your audience about the book. All the best to you in this show. And uh, again, thank you. To learn more about how to adopt Grant's ideas to your company's culture or to know exactly what you need to be looking for in the next company you interview with, be sure and pick up his book. I link to that in the show notes page for today's episode, along with the other books that Grant recommended and other resources referenced in our conversation today. All that can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 293 for episode 293. I always welcome your feedback for comments, suggestions, feedback, questions, whatever it might be. Feel free to reach out to me directly. Send your email to jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. I answer every single one. And if you're looking for just the right cloud accounting software solution for your business, I can't recommend FreshBooks cloud accounting software highly enough. Check them out freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section well that's going to do it for another week i look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the read to lead podcast until then as always remember leaders read and readers lead 